0: Now, just a minute.
1: Look, Brigadier, look. I think it's starting.
0: Well, here we go again.
1: movie report episode two big episode two um i'm here with sarah our long lost co-host how are you thank
0: you thank you patrick i'm glad to finally be able to join it's been too long
1: yeah much too long we missed you at gallifrey one
0: i know but i love the fact that everybody had the hashtag up and posted their pictures from LobbyCon and throughout the entire convention so it was almost like i could feel like i was there
1: yeah, it was fun. We, we definitely missed you. Definitely missed you. Um, so, last week we had uh, one Sarah. This week we have the other Sarah. And then next week we should have both Sarahs. So, yes. we'll have the full crew.
0: And we may actually even have an international guest.
1: That's right. Do you want to? Oh, uh, we're going
0: to keep that. We're gonna, I'm just going to tease it so that yeah. we can uh, surprise everybody with it next week. Exactly.
1: That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Awesome. So um, we're in the aftermath of Gallifrey One, and uh, I'm getting over the flu, which I got from Gallifrey One. Uh, it kind of hit me late, um, and I'm just now recovering, and it was not fun. It is not fun at all. So mm. my voice is, goes in and out, uh, so you'll have to bear with me.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's one of the um, wonderful lasting memories that a lot of people walk away from any con with is um, a virulent set of the cooties. Exactly. I'm sure there's a Doctor Who episode about it, too.
1: (laughs) If not, there should be. Yes.
0: We could write it in.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, we were talking before. They do such a great job at the convention with, like, making sure you're hydrated and fed, but... They should like put some um, hand sanitizer stations out too.
0: That would be our only request to the Marriott courtyard.. In yeah. LAX.
1: You know what? I almost brought my little bottle of like uh, hand sanita- portable hand <laughs> sanitation in for my backpack and I didn't do it. I don't know why. Uh, it probably wouldn't have mattered. I mean 4,000 people um, you're bound to catch something unless you you're walking around um, Tokyo style with the, uh, you know with the mask. <laughs> Yeah. So,
0: the SARS with half a bra cup over your exactly head. <laughs> like yeah,
1: like you, know, you can cosplay as uh, someone who's afraid of getting SARS or something. Are you my mommy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that actually brings up a good point. So this was the first year that Galley changed their ticketing process. Yeah, let's loud talk about Allowed one that a day, allowed one day patrons. Because I feel I've only been going a few years, so I feel quite decadent in the fact that I was part of a very intimate audience. How did it feel? um going with the one day and special guests that were able to come in how did that how did that change your experience
1: you know it, it didn't change it much i didn't notice a difference um in well you know the convention you know it kind of ramps up uh, mm-hmm. thursday night there's people in for Lobby con friday you have a lot of people and saturday is the peak day mm-hmm. um and you know the last previous years it was uh, one ticket for the whole weekend and still saturday was the bus- busiest day and that didn't change um, um there are demonstrably more people there saturday than sunday than um friday mm-hmm. and uh so uh, whatever effect um that i'm sure having those one day tickets helped people who never intended to go for the whole weekend it didn't uh, impact the con and in, in the aspect of making it more busy Thanks.
0: That charm that we have through the camaraderie?
1: No, it it, kept, it was the same. I didn't notice any difference. Can you think about it? Um, the people who, um, those one-day tickets are for the people who were buying full weekend passes but never intended to go for the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, they could only go Saturday, but their only option was buying a full weekend pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think what that does is just, is just frees up more full weekend tickets mm-hmm. for people. Um, I don't yeah, know I how mean, many when if you you're look, capped. Especially
0: for the locals, and we saw a lot of that with a lot of the LA population um, who came and who could only come for Saturday, but were committed to, you know, their full weekend ticket. And then I feel bad because you know, as being someone from out of town who couldn't use my ticket at all, being the first year I couldn't transfer my ticket. Right. Um, you know, it. But I was interesting. I wanted to. You know, that was one of the things. Like two years ago, when we sat in the Barrowman Experience, it was. Such an intimate setting for all three thousand some odd of us, but you know, see that increased number, knowing the capacity limitations that um, uh, that the venue holds. Now, did you stay for any of the Sunday sessions? Because that would have been interesting to see if they had any uptick in the Sunday participation.
1: Sunday, I stayed for the whole thing for the first time in about four or five years, and um, I can't tell you how. Many people more were there Sunday for afternoon Sunday programming and evening programming than before because I hadn't really experienced it less than Saturday but definitely full house. Um, oh, fantastic! For the closing ceremonies and the the final panels, definitely full house. Um, lots of people do leave on Sunday. I'm usually one of those people. You and Sarah are also people. Yeah.
0: Two flights, three flights Mm -hmm. out of L.A. on Saturday morning. You know, the mommy drama. Um, Thankfully, I'm grooming my children to being mini (laughs) So, (laughs) And one keeps reminding me that I'm missing one episode from this last season. So we'll be watching it here shortly. Uh, But one of the other questions I had, I saw one of the last notes went out about the limitations on Daleks this year at the convention, including on the balcony. And... Mm -hmm. Well, did was there any? I can't tell. No, if you um uh, noticed, I took notes, but uh, uh, that was one thing. How was the vibe about that? Because previously there was always a whole host of Daleks, either functioning or not, you know, moving throughout the hotel. And I think, you know, in my opinion, that always added to the vibe and the charm of the conversations in in bringing everybody together as a uh, who community. How was that change felt, or was there any? know hallway gossip about Mm. that it's an interesting
1: question because we touched on it a little bit while we were at the convention and recording um there were definitely noticeable that there were less daleks roaming around and i think the impetus for that rule to limit them was to prevent clogging in the hallways oh yeah and as i mentioned before the hallways were just as clogged Mm-hmm. And it's, I know people stop and take pictures and play with the Dalek and clog the hallways a lot, but most pe- hallways get clogged of just people standing and talking with each other mm-hmm. in, the the, in the middle of the hallway, period. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. The Daleks are just the most egregious offenders because they're easy to see that they're drawing but, yeah. a crowd. But yeah, I don't think the traffic getting from A to B was any mm-hmm. smoother. Because of uh, lesser daleks roaming around, weeping
0: angel can clog the hallway as quick, you know, as oh, yeah. easily. You know, when you look at the the quality of some costumes or the commitment behind the cosplay in general, not to even limit it to one genre, you know, one genre, you know, it could stop the hallway just the same when you get somebody who's just fantastic at at, at their passion. So right. you know, we I'm looking through some of the old um, Twitter tags out there. And this year there was the Lego Doctor Who, you know, and I know I would have stopped to have my picture taken with him and he probably was a good three or four feet wide.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was really good uh, cosplay, actually. I didn't get a picture of the the Lego Doctor Who, but it was very good.
0: Even the mini twins who were the Weeping Angels. Oh yeah,
1: they were great. <laughs> they were, they no. were great all weekend. They were the. They were. They had two other cosplays which were excellent.
0: Yes, and when I mean, even Missy's face with them in it's in, um, uh, in one of the tagged pictures from mm-hmm, Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, just to be able to trap. You know, one of the artists like that for pictures. It just speaks to the dedication that the people who attend Galley One. Um, really bring to their game and these are nine-year-old girls
1: yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah it yeah their their cosplay was fantastic um and yeah they they um basically caused a stir and and you're right um the good cosplayers the people with good costumes they they um cause just as much clogging as a Dalek but you know Um, It's kind of easier for the con people to tell the Dalek operator to keep it moving. And uh, usually you saw that they were escorted around. Um, They had someone clearing the way. So that did help. But, yeah, I kind of missed not having, like, I didn't see the Tiki Dalek. Um, I don't think that that.
0: Oh, it's a good one.
1: Yeah, I don't think that that that, that operator, uh, from what I gather, he, he. got his request and didn't get his request in in time and he couldn't bring his his tiki dalek i think that's the story i'm sure someone would correct me if i'm wrong uh, yeah Yeah, on twitter (laughs) um but yeah it's that's uh yeah that's interesting interesting
0: One of the activities that Patrick, Sarah, and I all attend here coming up in April is the Dallas WHO Fest. And so they're coming Who up Fest. on their third year. Not to tease that one too much, but it is a fantastic event. And being a junior event, the hotel is really at um, our disposal in the most complimentary way. So one of the things I liked about um, WHO Fest last year is. Um, they didn't change their menu for us while we were there, but they also made the whole facility available um, and very accessible for everybody. I know that Sarah and I came across a young lady, the most brilliant cosplay. She was handicapable, and she had, with a little bit of foam rub- rubber, she turned herself into half a Dalek. You Remember? You remember her? Yes. yes. It, she was, and there was another nine-year-old with a patchwork quilt. Um, Doctor Who costume. It was just fantastic event. and I can see that maturing into quite the same passion that we see when we go to Galley.
1: Yeah, it's great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, the Who um, Fest. Speaking of Who Fest, so that's in um, let's see, late April. I think it's the third week of third weekend in April um, in Dallas. And last year was my first year going to it. And like Sarah said, it's fantastic. It's much much smaller than Galley, um, much more intimate. I imagine this is probably what Galley was like, like in the like early like tens and teens uh, mm-hmm. of Galley. Um, but the the benefit of it being smaller is that um, it, it's just that it's just more intimate. Like you can you can get to everything. And I guess you can get to everything at Galley, too. But HooFest, you can get up close to everything, mm-hmm. uh, anything you want. Um, so it was just a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, have coming from experience of only going to Galley, um, going to HooFest was, was was pretty cool. So definitely going back this year. Um, and so, yeah, we'll definitely be recording there and having a lot of fun there. The, the hotel is, they turn it over pretty much Um to the convention and it's a very comfortable place very nice hotel and the, the layout of the conference of, rooms are, are nice
0: it, actually the luxury of it is normally used for um, business travel during the week so come Friday night it truly does empty out um, mm-hmm. it's, and it's uh, a very like maybe a five minute shuttle ride from DFW right um, and the nice thing even this year I've got the website up whofestdfw.org um Fraser Hines who's charming as anything is going to be there as well as Ian McNeese, um, who is, you know, just old school fantastic as well as several, um, companions. Um, and, had a uh, recent announcement. Eve miles mm-hmm. from Torchwood is going to be there. So that's just a win. No matter she will have you in stitches, She's if you great. ever get a chance to hear her talk. Um, cause I think on, on Torchwood, they tame down the Welsh accent but when the girl comes out um, of her shell, she's just, she's fantastic to hear her speak about her time with um, John Barman and yeah. and everyone else on she's the crew. She's so
1: funny. She's mm-hmm. so funny. And I'm sure people will be asking her about uh, her recent Twitter statements about uh, hanging up the Gwyn character and putting her to rest. So I'm sure people oh, will be asking God. her about their... A lot but about even that with
0: resting that character I can't wait to see what she takes on next because there's not gonna ever be a oh, one episode Eve it's always gonna be yeah a dynamic rich character that we see from her
1: right right yeah she's really good really good yeah so yeah so that's gonna be who fest uh, and we'll definitely be um, bringing you cover full coverage of who Fest, full drunken coverage. <laughs> <laughs> Down the Maybe line, we can
0: get some uh, star interviews. You never know. Yeah, we can leave our day jobs.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll definitely be in full force. The Whoving Report will be in full force. All three reporters will be on the scene. Let's talk about some Doctor Who news that's not so new, but. News that we haven't discussed
0: yet. Yeah. yeah,
1: so lots, lots of go- been going on. Number one, um, Stephen Moffat um, is going to is currently writing uh, the next series of episodes, which won't air until 2017. And once they finish airing at the end of 2017, he's stepping down and turning over the reins to Chris Chibnall uh, as the new um, showrunner. Um, and as a consequence to the schedule uh, in 2016, we won't have any new Doctor Who until the Christmas special this, uh, this uh, December. So it's kind of, we have like a, a gap year, um, something that we haven't had in a while since the Tenant era. And even in that yeah. wasn't that long when they had those no, specials, it was right? It's only
0: half a season. So one of the things, and they supplemented that with Torchwood. Um, now, one of the things that I was wondering is are they doing this to allow the new writers and directors to um, uh, fill the coffers with material so that they can move seamlessly on through the on years? Or is this simply because he's writing too many other things and the actors are too committed in other directions? I mean, what's your... I had very mixed feelings, but also seeing all the supporting casts, even with the last half of last season, seeing all the guest arcs mm-hmm. seemed like filler.
1: Right, right. And,
0: and maybe they were, they, just like when they were searching for Capaldi, you know, we had those awkward episodes, you know, prepping for transition. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this year gap, this year abroad almost um, this gap year um, is in preparation for the handing of the Queen's keys.
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, Everything you stated will happen because of the gap. Um, It'll give uh, Chibnall time to uh, gear up his staff and think about casting and have a good efficient handoff from Stephen. But the real reason, according to the BBC itself, this is what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, They're saying because this year, it's either the Olympics, I think, is this year.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, And something
1: else that's on programming. Why they did, it's a pure programming decision. They didn't want Doctor Who to have to compete with the Olympics and some other uh, thing, British thing. uh,
0: Yeah, probably the Commonwealth Games, which would follow about five months after. So that actually makes sense, having lived in the U.K., um, the free channels are BBC 1, 2, and 3, mm-hmm. and then you get your Sky, whatever, but it's, you know, there is preferential treatment, and I can see the compete, especially, you know, with the airing of um, Doctor Who being probably in competition with a lot of the rebroadcast from the, um, uh, you know, because there are going to be prime time, you know, midday showings of for you and me of Olympics while we're at work is going to be primetime TV over there. Right.
1: Right. So
0: timing wise, I can see that compete. Yeah,
1: that that's the, um, that's what's been stated is the reason from one of the BBC heads. Um, and I mean I can kinda see where there's what they're saying, but, but you know, programming is such different over there.
0: Yeah, but from a uh, programming perspective, you know, what we're given is probably a filtered response. True. <laughs> for enthusiastic yeah. for enthusiastic um uh watchers like you and I. Yeah.
1: And it doesn't hurt that uh Stephen Moffat is, is has um Um, to deal with Sherlock, too. I think he's actually shooting Sherlock right now. Right
0: now, yeah. Well, they also... I mean, we waited two years for Sherlock. Yeah. um, But also everyone involved in Sherlock. uh, uh, Mark Geddes, uh, Martin Freeman, and um, that other funny tall one, uh, Benedict... Dr. Strange. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Dr. Strange. He's Mm -hmm. clogging up the streets of London this week. Um, That's one of the things... They've already announced that they're only going to record so many episodes because everybody's becoming too busy and too committed to be able to, to do a TV serial like this. You know, it's not going to be... It's the, not going
1: to be efficient um, because no. their schedules and because they're such a big star, pretty soon you, they won't be able to afford them exactly. for a TV show like that.
0: That's Well, when Martin Freeman got um, Fargo, hmm. uh, his cost you know his cost base has changed immensely yeah. because he had broken into the U.S. market and so that changed no, the
1: Avengers for God's sake
0: no <laughs> and well Benedict can't go wrong um, you know of course he he picked up Doctor Strange and I think that works amazingly for him yeah be a huge fan of his as well I mean that's even- gonna
1: be a franchise he can you can see him playing exactly. that character even, for multiple films
0: even going back and watching him in the imitation game um, that's a dynamic that you know that mm-hmm. same kind of passion he, there's no way he could just singularly keep it at the Sherlock Moffat level right you know and that's, that's right. something that Moffat said after the success of year one
1: yeah 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 it's uh, it so I think it it kind of works out for all the players involved in the making of the show I think the only people who are most disappointed are us the viewers and probably Peter Capaldi you know, I'm sure he's he's on record saying that he doesn't like the scheduling. Um,
0: but, you know, he had to have knee surgery.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yes, in the in the mid-season, uh, in the mid-filming break, um, he had to have knee surgery because he had been doing so much running. Um, he had ruined the cartilage in his knee.
1: A torn meniscus, probably. Because
0: was, they were filming so close back-to-back instead mm-hmm. of spreading, because they have... A compressed season recording, and then they have a a, a sabbatical, and then they have another compressed season. um, That he actually had been doing so much running in those boots early on that he had done damage to his knee and had to have um, knee surgery. That he's recovering from. That just the the because normally TV shows, at least here in the U.S., record um, they have five to ten days. Per episode, right. and they were doing so much recording in that five to ten days, they may come away with two or three episodes. Yeah. And so their production schedule was so different because they maximized their time, right, right, and their footage. And so, yeah, I can see how that schedule was not with somebody with mature joints. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm
0: not twenty two anymore. It's the third time I've said that today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What do you think about the consensus that people are saying that Capaldi will leave after the 2017 season with Moffat? So it seems like half the people think he'll leave. Half the people think he'll stay for a year to help the new extra, the new producer. You know,
0: I think he'll stay. Um, I I know I, it's not necessarily a universal opinion. I love him.
1: Yeah, I, I love he's him such too.
0: A breath of fresh air. Because I didn't need a doctor who, who was going to be my best friend. Right, right. I needed someone who was going to lead. And, mm-hmm. and I think we finally got back to what, you know, six or seven other doctors brought to us. And it's very hard to follow the fantastic doctors we've had the last few years. But their personalities evolved, evolved into a very younger persona. Hmm. So I just adore his grumpiness, but I identify with it. You know, I'm, it's, I needed him to have that. He wasn't supposed to be the doctor who was there, you know, Hmm. so he's got some angst. He's got to work through. And I think he's delivering that beautifully. I think the episode, and of course, now that we're recording, it's escaping me, but the episode where he's on the island by himself
1: oh yeah that's the uh, heaven sent
0: Yes, heaven sent
1: or hell bent heaven sent actually. heaven sent
0: yeah, yeah. The, the second to last uh, yeah. the,
1: my favorite episode this past uh, season actually I
0: think that completely identified the doctor who he's become yeah and I, mm. you know, anybody who gets a new boss, they want to see how their team shakes out. So mm-hmm. I don't think that he's experiencing anything mm. different than us. But it's also when they announced Matt Smith was leaving, I thought Jenna Coleman was going to be quick to jump ship, right. and she stuck around. So yeah. that was a uh, because uh, she had been already toying with going on to several other projects. So to see her stick around, you know, mm. it's it's that rumoring. Yeah, that we're yeah. all doing. But I'm I'm. Pleased with the doctor he's becoming, and even my nine-year-old loves him.
1: Mm, That's great.
0: She thinks that ten is her doctor. Right. (laughs) So I
1: think uh, eighty percent of uh, most of new fandom.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) it depends because a lot of well, I'd have to say the seventeen to not quite twenty mid twenties still like Matt Smith, but those of us who I think. uh, Bookend that, we can relate a little more to Tenant. I think I see more of Tenant's personalities in Capaldi Mm -hmm. than I Smith's. Yeah, yeah. Personality.
1: Matt Smith was totally unique. You know, he wasn't Mm -hmm. young and he wasn't old. He was neither. He was was both.
0: Yeah, he was suffering that heartbreak from uh, you know Rose's departure,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: regeneration, and so I think we're over that, and we're getting, um, we're getting. a a nice because i what i also see a lot in capaldi that i didn't see in matt smith are the eccleston traits yes getting back to the warrior but it brings in that whole um uh the war doctor i think i'm seeing more tendencies towards the war doctor in there and i just think it's he's a a beautiful rebirth to the doctor franchise
1: yeah i'm trying to convince sarah to watch uh heaven sent (laughs) I I don't know if I'm going to be able to do, you may have to help me.
0: I might have to take her kids for the day. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) But
0: it's like in the early days, I did not care for Jenna Coleman. I did not like her. I did not like her. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Donna Noble was my girl, but it was, um, you know, Catherine Tate and her relationship with everybody around her was so charismatic that I just couldn't buy into Clara. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I there were times where I'd much rather get poked in the eye,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: th- I think that experience to me is what, you know, my friend Sarah is feeling with Capaldi and it's one of those things that I don't think my nieces and nephews are such massive Doctor Who fans that I don't think if it weren't for their encouragement, I would have dedicated the time, but what I've also liked with Capaldi is that unabashingly I could put my kids in front of it and they found... Comfort and almost guidance and reassurance through the doctor's opinions, which we get throughout the dialogue, which we didn't have with um, Matt Smith because Matt, Matt Smith's doctor was more of an emotional walk, hmm. and I think we now have the leader back. Yeah, you know the doctor as he was in the old days. You know, uh, one through uh, one through six.
1: Yeah, for me, he's as. Close to Tom Baker as we've had so far. I mean, nothing can replace or uh, nothing can repeat Tom Baker, but he's the closest vibe um, that I get um, that's Baker like for me. And Tom Baker is my doctor.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's like my background in the early days is I was an ancillary watcher. My brother was the massive Doctor Who fan, and he could have. You know, his one thing when he came to London to visit me when I lived there was to get Jelly Babies. And I didn't understand it at the time, but, you know, this is um, over the years. You know, I now have grown to it since I've lost my brother, who's uh, given me my fandom. Because Mm -hmm. originally I started watching, he passed the year that the reboot started. And so for me watching, it gives me a connection to him. But now I can also see why he liked it so much and the dynamic that it's giving us, you know, and the dialogue that it opens up, and right. so, it's it's wonderful to be able to now sit, and and look at it through his perspective, you know, which is what we all come into Doctor Who with—is we can find some tangent that it it rings an accord for us, in our own lives.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a. there's a reason why it's lasted so long um it's it's universal themes it's it's changing of personalities but but with a still common core um yeah i'll be watching it forever i think Mm -hmm. um i don't i can't imagine myself a time not wanting to watch doctor who
0: yeah i think for you know my younger child the only thing is um at the end of last season with the death episode and the Cybermen, it was all Mm -hmm seeing the Cybermen, but when he realized the heavier note, you know, I think Six was a little young to have that. I mean, even though we talk about loss, um, to understand the sacrifices that, uh, Danny Pink was taking, right? you know, and then he got really mad at the Cybermen and then he didn't like Missy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> And so you can see those relationships With your favorite characters And I think that's what Doctor Who gives us Is understanding that evolution of character dynamic And that's writing we don't see on everyday TV I know Sophia the First does not have that for me Like Doctor Who does
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah, It was well said Yeah, so so that's We're just going to have to You know, do without Doctor Who for a, A while now uh, I guess I'll go back and watch um, some more classic stuff the classic stuff I haven't watched mm-hmm. yet so that's probably what what's gonna what I'm gonna be doing during the um, the gap time um, but before you know it it'll be back there's 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 lots of Doctor Who to consume I, maybe I'll get into Big Finish I've never been a Big Finish person even though I like audiobooks, I've never listened to Big Finish so
0: I think that's something that I think my kids would really enjoy as well is mm-hmm. understanding the Hoover's through the big finish productions and their storytelling. Cause you know, um, Colin Baker is going back to big finish to do some episodes along with Perry. Um, you know, there's quite a few, um, river song, uh, um, Alex Kingston, thank you. Oh, <laughs> Alex, Alex Kingston, Kingston. yeah. Um, she signed on to do her own um, River Song stories, um, and she is probably going to get several of the doctors who yeah. work. And Donna
1: Noble's um, back doing big finish. I'm oh, so shocked. Catherine Tate,
0: yeah, I'd Catherine like to Tate. have lunch with her.
1: <laughs> yeah, Catherine Tate, for my money, the best new series companion.
0: Yes, and you know, um, for the, uh, what was she in, one year or was it two years? That Two she, years, I think. Two years, and I, because she was one of the few um, uh, bookended companions, you know, she had a finite series that she was going to be committed to, mm-hmm. um, who interacted with the most uh, number of other companions that were not all on at the same time. So, when you look at, at the old Doctor, a couple of the older Doctors had three or four companions at any one time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, But she was the only one that never took offense to another companion being there and showing up and uh, because she didn't have that drama about her. And I think by far she was the best companion in the truest sense because she wanted nothing from the doctor.
1: Right, right. She just wanted to. uh, She was a pure companion. Yeah. She was an old school companion. Yeah,
0: and and I think that was the wonderful tie back and charm that she brought. In one of the episodes, um, I should have made notes. It is The Wasp and the...
1: Unicorn and the Wasp.
0: Unicorn and the Wasp. uh, The the Agatha Christie episode Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, was, you know, Don't Call Me Girl. That is one of the most charming, and I think it showcased her aspects of being a, a companion perfectly.
1: Right, yeah. I think she's very underrated. I think, yeah. I I just, I just think she's very underrated as far as her, her ranking in the pantheon of Doctor Who companions.
0: And if you have not seen her as a companion or have not seen her whole seasons, one of the things you need to find on YouTube is she was out doing the Catherine Tate show, and David Tennant came on and was an English teacher for a red nose charity fundraiser episode. And, um, he was doing a Shakespeare class and she was doing her girl from, uh, um, Peckham, uh, her Southeast English Mm -hmm. accent, Mm -hmm. um, probably the funniest, funniest combination of, of Dr. Who, you know, engagement in a non-Dr. Who episode and, um, the red nose, Charity campaign is something that is done in the UK and has only just recently come to the US, um, and where celebrities come and do various comedy and song and dance routines. In this last year, for example, Coldplay did the Game of Thrones episode. Well, Catherine Tate and David and Tennant did one um, for the Catherine Tate show, and it was outstanding.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah, Little, I have you not seen it? Seen it. I have not seen it I should see it We need
0: to discuss that And dedicate a whole episode Just to that
1: Yeah we totally can We (laughs) totally can We definitely need topics We won't be going over episodes uh, Or at least not any new episodes For any time soon Hey
0: you know what We should have people tweet us If they've got questions Exactly Exactly
1: I think when the series comes back, uh, Stephen Moffat is going to deliver some really great episodes for his final swan song. I think um, so. Too. That's my opinion. What do you think? What do you? Ho- what are your hopes for the last uh, Stephen Moffat series?
0: I hope he puts enough of a hook into us that those of us who've been committed to him for the last, you know, eight nine years. Um, you know, and the franchise don't become disenfranchised with the changing of the guard. And I think that he's been so good with planning his outlines in advance that the the new writers will be able to transition that and keep us. Um, you know, there are a lot of shows over the years that I've watched and have been committed to for years that have a change in in writers and first episode I'm done. You know, hmm. so I'm hoping that we get some more of the dynamic, long running. Uh, uh character arcs like we saw with river song mm-hmm. and i want to see a lot more of um uh of the favorite characters that we've had over the years um come back and help uh inaugurate the new authors what do you
1: hope for from the new guy
0: I don't know enough about him, so i I mean, what do you know about him? What can you tell me that you're—you would
1: expect? I live in Broadchurch, and um, the—the two episodes, the three or four episodes he's wrote for Doctor Who, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but they were all good ones. They just—they're just not known as stellar doctor Mm -hmm. who episodes but i think that's fine i think i think someone who's common
0: for guest writers to have when they're competing against a moffat season Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know to not necessarily he's not going to want to be outshined by you know his prom date you know
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i think that 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 will mean i think that his at least his initial uh first couple seasons will be even Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's a he's a great choice. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's a great choice. I think Broadchurch is a great show and it proves that he can run a show. And he's run uh, other shows uh, besides Broadchurch, but I think that's mm-hmm. his most famous show. So I think he's a great choice. I know people were saying they wanted um, uh, who's the other producer, the other writer, Gated. They wanted Mark Gatiss, but Mark Gatiss well, is too still, busy.
0: <laughs> Sherlock, and he's still acting, and yeah. you know. And he's probably going to be become more of a guest writer mm-hmm. or contributor, but it's he's he's in the same boat as as Sherlock, is they right. became so widely popular for other works that you know they just couldn't stay focused just to this one project, mm-hmm. you know. And so I I hope that you know what would be great is to see Mark Gatiss come in and you know
1: act yeah yeah I that'd love be great I, I, lo- just, I love uh, him as an actor mm. he's really good you know what i hope i i probably won't happen just for um scheduling reasons but uh i wish that uh for moffett's last uh series uh he and rtd co-write an episode like he grabs rtd to co-write something <laughs> for that would be that would be very interesting I think I that think would be great I think so
0: many of us That would be a wildest dream
1: Yeah Yeah Heads would explode I know uh, A RTD like, Moffitt like, episode Have
0: J.K. Rowling Walk, walk across the background <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> Exactly. It's There are so many things That we wish we could see Because our, I think our investment In Our relationship With the show I think is, there's a
1: plane Flying overhead Yeah Yeah I live near Burbank Airport In Los Angeles So have to forgive the uh, uh, occasional uh, Boeing
0: 747. Yeah. And yeah. Today I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere um, well, North Texas and mm-hmm. in, in a couple of days hopefully we'll be recording from New Zealand.
1: That's right, you're about to head uh, on a big trip tomorrow.
0: Yeah, we're going to go see our family and so it's the um, Who Enthusiast who really committed me to um, this fandom and the support and so it's it's one of those great opportunities to be able to go and it's a show that we widely watch together as a family as well
1: that's awesome hopefully maybe we can um record while you're there
0: yeah I already if it's have possible a, i it's already looking like it's a go because my nephew has already said that he's game okay and excellent. Um, you know i have a nephew and a niece who are in their 20s And then I have a brother-in-law who lives there, as well as my in-laws, who are huge Doctor Who fans. And then I have another brother in Australia, a brother-in-law in in Australia, who is the biggest Who fan of I Think of Us All. So it's going to be a great opportunity for us to have, you know, uh, international dialogues about you know, our love of Doctor Who and the the Whovian commitment that we make when we start when we take on the show.
1: Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah, so hopefully we'll have you in New Zealand, Sarah in Texas, and me in uh, Los Angeles. So will be multinational.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then um, it'd be great if people could tweet us and say see if they can name one of the thirty one characters. Or actors who were in both the old and new season and new um, uh, reboots of the Doctor Who episodes, because there are only 31 actors who have been both in the old and new Doctor Who episodes.
1: So just 31. OK, OK, that's interesting. I know there's tons of Whovians who know that off the top of their head. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of them. (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't name any yeah. but you know
0: it's great because you know with we can instead of doing six degrees of Kevin Bacon we can do six degrees of Doctor Who
1: yeah actually that'd be good that'd be good and speaking of that if you want to contact us you can you can find us on Twitter at Whovian underscore report um, you can email us at uh, at gmail.com and you can visit our website at www.hoovianreport.com. And uh, we're on uh, iTunes and Stitcher, uh, so please leave us a review uh, if you uh, if you will, um, and please download and subscribe and tell a friend. Keep television. it classy. Keep it classy. Give us five <laughs> stars. Come on, we'll 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 PayPal you some some cash. <laughs> You know, you know, you didn't hear that, but you heard it.
0: <laughs> well, you never know what happens when you come visit us at um, Who Fest 3 here in Dallas in the spring. We're, we're um, lots of fun to sit next to, usually in the second row um, mm-hmm. from Peter Pixie. So, you know. Peter
1: Pixie will be there. We'll be there with our yep. blue Doctor Who beer cups. Uh, got it. Imbibing. <laughs> And, um, you know, I'm going
0: for us because we commit to our fandom.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know what? Um, Speaking of of conventions and things, so next month I'm going to WonderCon in Los Angeles. And I'm sure I'm going to shoot a lot of cosplay there. And there's always like Doctor Who cosplay going on at at, uh, WonderCon. It's in Los Angeles. It's moved from Anaheim to Los Angeles because of. Yeah, repair. Actually, there's um, like renovations going on to the Anaheim Convention Center near Disneyland, so it's moved to LA temporarily for this year, which is great for me. I can just take the subway there. Um, So I'm gonna go and shoot that. But um, what was the uh, um, what's the event in in Texas that?
0: So the big scandalous tweet that went out this week. Peter Capaldi is making his first con appearance here in the U.S. And it is at DFW Comic Con, um, which is the weekend, I think, of June 3rd Mm -hmm. um, here in DFW at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center in downtown, which is fantastic. Um, Great facility, massive. Um, And if you have kids, it's very kid friendly. I took my kids out of the blue last year. Um, to have our picture done with Stan Lee and to have Capaldi, Missy, and I believe Jenna Coleman are all going. That's so a great this lineup. John Cusack's going to be, so check it out. Tweet us if you want to know anything more about the area. I'm happy to, you know, do my, my novice um, tour guide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've only been here, you know, on and off for the last 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's that's a, awesome.
1: That's an awesome event.
0: It's a great event in the fact that he's coming and he's choosing to open up here in Dallas. It is not going to be rainy. It is not going to be snowy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hot. If hot. you're not from here, the average temperature in June is going to be about 95 to 100.
1: Yeah. It's Texas. Yeah, it's Texas. It's Texas. It's hot.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> it's awesome. And it's, it's because it, we have heat, it's actually connected very easily to several hotels. So you can stay. I think there's an Omni and then the Omni is connected to a Renaissance next door to it, as well as the Westin that's above the convention center. So the options are amazing for you to stay if you're going to stay in the downtown DFW area.
1: Oh, cool. That's going to wrap up this episode
0: thank you for having
1: me oh no no thank you for uh, for joining us this time thanks for listening everyone and uh until next week
0: yes talk to you soon